0: of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what their influences are, and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half we discuss the game they hit to promote, which in this case is Knights and Bikes by Foam Sword Games. Moo, who are you,
1: and what do you do? Hi, I'm Mu Yu, and I'm the non-REX half of uh, Foam Sword Games, which means that I don't do the art, uh, do mostly programming, but everything else is a little bit shared between the two of us.
0: Right. I've got to first of all congratulate you on first of all your successful launch with your Kickstarter ca- campaign.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Which is ongoing uh, as we as we release this show. Uh, only mm-hmm. Many days left on it, but uh, uh, it's it's still going. So.
1: I think we've got 23 days left, and we just hit the 50% mark.
0: Yes, so. that, yes. time of recording. Yep. hopefully it's way more than that by the time. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Well, I was just going to say, I love the name of the, 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 the develop your 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 company.
1: Yeah, in particular, with, with any story behind that one? Um Not really. I mean, I think the, the idea is always that we wanted to make something that was about, you know, imagination. And I think we're trying to come up with ideas of things that sort of evoke that ability to use your imagination to make something more out of something, you know, simple. And originally, I think we were thinking along the lines of stick, but um, that didn't really work out. So uh, we went with foam sword.
0: Yeah, I remember as a kid using various implements to represent swords Yeah, uh, because, you know, some of the best... Um, films and favourite films, um, were, you know, usually starring Yul Brenner or something like that from mm-hmm. the 1950s or, all, all, you know, Charlton Heston doing Ben Hur and Spartacus, of course, the all time classic. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, then latterly, Latter- the, um, Holy Grail, um, the yes. of the Holy Grail, which really wasn't comedy maybe you should have had some, you know, coconuts at the time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, I do, I do. The reason I bring that up, because it's in the it's in theme, because I do get the sense of Knights and Bikes being heavily, heavily doused in uh, British humour. Although, from your accent, and we'll talk about your history in a moment. That doesn't seem your personal uh, uh,
1: um, culture, but it looks like you're, you're fully immersed in it. Exactly. I've, I've been here for about eight years now, so I've, I've picked it up. But I think I've definitely preferred that type of humor, even when I was back in the States.
0: Yes. Um, it's, it's quite interesting when you try to explain people that, you know, Blackadder is mm-hmm. a great show. Like, really? Like, yeah. And they see the first series and go, it's terrible. Like, yeah, what's the second one? No, no, no. <laughs> so seriously, watch all of them. Yeah, and uh, you get my point. Where like uh, Rowan Atkinson is just amazing, exactly in in, in that in that show, and uh, I do, I just get that from
1: Nights Nights and Bites. We talk about yeah, absolutely. Days. It's it's yeah. It's the kind of humor you have to put a tiny bit of work into.
0: Oh, it's very exhausting, and uh, <laughs> it's dry as a freaking bone to the point where <laughs> it's a desert really, and yeah. it's, uh, it can be quite exhausting trying to actually become embroiled in it, but once you do, it, it's very rewarding, in my yeah. humble opinion. So, how did you make your start making flashy, lighty video games, as opposed to tabletop games, which we also sometimes talk about on this show?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I guess on an educational front, um, I studied computer science, um, I actually studied computer science philosophy and cognitive science at UCLA. Um, That's I, I an interesting be... uh, mix of... Uh... Of, of
0: subjects. I mean, it does yeah. intrigue me that the American universities have, you have majors and minors and stuff, don't you? Exactly. Whereas in yeah. the UK, you know this now. That we don't. No. You, no, just, you just read a subject. Yeah. Just one subject. For <laughs> yeah, three so, years and you're done. So tell us about, what, what were you studying there?
1: Yeah. So primarily I wanted to study philosophy, um, but my parents, you know, very business savvy and efficient, um, <laughs> you know, made sure to make it very clear that there's no job for me after I did that. So all their friends, their sons were studying computer science. So I decided to study computer science as well. Um And while I was doing that, I just sort of noticed that the overlap between these two subjects was, you know, a little field called cognitive science. And I just sort of had to take an extra eight or nine courses to get that major as well. So I decided to, you know, try and do all three at once.
0: Right. Smart fellow then. <laughs> uh, so I'd have to counter to your uh, parents view on not doing, you know, being, taking mm-hmm. philosophy and then not getting a job. That's not true. You can get no, all not. sorts of sorts of um,
1: jobs uh, doing,
0: doing that. Uh, um, so uh, I I would have to counter that yeah you
1: you just couldn't get the four jobs that a Chinese American parent would want (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the the, the short of it
0: Yeah, I I read civil engineering so (laughs) they would have loved that I'm sure (laughs) oh yeah thumbs up yeah Yeah. (laughs) because you can do anything when you read that trust me oh that degree was evil anyway so cognitive sort of science did you say so Is, what what did you get from that what what attracted you to that and could you describe it how you define it I'm not gonna
1: so talk it. it's interesting because i sort of i was obsessed with you know consciousness at the time and I sort of thought these were three interesting Approaches to understand consciousness, you know computer science was sort of by simulation um, Cognitive science was actually the biological analysis and philosophy was obviously the introspective perspective introspective perspective um, But yeah, it, it was just something fascinating to me that I just find always found consciousness to be this strange Magical thing and I you know, it's just it's always been intriguing to me and when I sort of got to university it was you know, at that point where you're you starting to, you know, you, you don't know what you know, and then you start understanding what you don't know, and everything's suddenly fascinating, and I think I just sort of branched out in a really wide way there.
0: And, uh, I mean, we could go on and talk about, you know, how all creatures, mm-hmm. great or small, yep. have some semblance of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find, especially, like, you know, especially our ape cousins, What well, we're yeah, apes as well, so. and we all know, you know that, we're all primates, but yep. uh, the <laughs> and especially them. Fascinating, because yeah. they have a consciousness as well. But how on earth did all of that lead you into
1: making video games? So for me, it all started in... At university, I was in a graphics course, okay. um, c- graphics programming, and there was just a guy that was sat next to me. I think at that point, the assignment was, you know, make an animated scene of whatever you want. And I decided to make um, an animated scene of Cloud Strife from Final Fantasy VII. It looked awful. It looked unbelievably awful. Um, but at least this, this guy that was sitting next to me figured out that, you know, I was a big fan of video games and he, we started chatting and he was telling me about, um, how he worked at a video game company and how he's going to E3 in a couple of weeks. Um, and I was just obsessed with this idea of maybe somehow going to E3. I, you know, I'd seen it from the outside so many times and it seemed absolutely yes, amazing. It's not but anyway, it is not, no, I, I, I went enough times that uh, I definitely fatigued on it. Yeah. yeah so so yeah. that year, um, the deal he made to me was that he needed to place an intern. And if I applied for the internship and got it, then he would let me borrow his pass for one day to go to E3. Okay. Um, so that was sort of my first job in video games. It was um, actually um, a web games startup. Hmm. And so, yeah, so he moved on from there to a console games company and he brought me along that way. And then, um, when I actually graduated from university, uh, I got a job at Insomniac Games.
0: Oh, I see. So then, oh, okay. So, um, you, you worked there for how long?
1: For? So I worked at Insomniac for four years. Okay. Um, so it was one of these strange situations. I, I'd done loads of UI work at the other internships. Um, so I applied for the UI position and then so I interviewed for the UI position. They declined me for that, but then offered me a game- gameplay programmer position, which I would have applied for if I thought I had a chance to get it. Um, and they finally did hire the UI person and they were fired within two weeks. So I'm kind of glad I didn't, <laughs> didn't oh, get wow. to fire. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so basically they brought me on as a gameplay programmer there and I stayed there for Four years and work my way up to the lead programmer on Ratchet and Clank: Tools of Destruction.
0: Yeah, it was oh.
1: a PS3 one.
0: Yeah, that's um, a glorious game. I love those hit- games. Yeah, it, it is- was.
1: It was so much fun to work on.
0: I love action adventure games. I've been ever since. I've been playing games for a very, 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 very long time. <laughs> um, we're talking from early eighties. I'm that old. Sorry, but uh, <laughs> I'm not going to apologise for being that old, but yeah. uh, I am, and uh, that means that I've seen all sorts of things uh, <laughs> over the years, good and bad. Uh, but um, action adventure games. Especially like what Rare used to... Well, we used to call them alternate player games, but, you know, Rare exactly. used to make these games like Law and stuff like this. And that was the first sort of experience I had of playing an action-adventure game. You can look it up, Nightlaw. It's an amazing 3D, okay. isometric yeah. game. And then it, you, it went on from there. And I've always loved arcade adventures. Mm-hmm. And the sheer visual splendour, no offence to your, your abilities, but the visual splendour and the visual feedback you got from playing Ratchet and Clank games, from PS2 right through to, to the PS4 era, which, you know, the new ones yeah. are imminent to arrive. I'm sure you know. Yep. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm
0: very excited about it. <laughs> I, did, I did play it at uh, Eurogamer um, last last year. It was fantastic. Great. One of my Amazing, highlights. Yeah. Um, and I sat there and went, I need to go to play to go to an appointment, but <laughs> 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 I need to, I can't. So I was almost <laughs> late because of it. But no, um, but underneath that, the engine, you know, the the... the the interaction, the feeling of exactly. being part of that world, of actually the impact of when he swings whatever weapon he's using mm-hmm. and it does something and it gives that feedback loop all the time to the player. You can tell that, that it's been nurtured and thought about
1: constantly.
0: I mean, that must have been quite exhausting for you working on it, or maybe not, I don't know. It's,
1: it's not really. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of these things that... They demand so much, um, and everything just has to be absolutely right, and everything has to fit together just right. Mm. And it's the kind of thing that... because I, So my first project was Ratchet 3, which was, I believe, called Up Your Arsenal, but I think it had a different title in the UK. I might be wrong about that. Um, a lot of them had different subtitles over yeah, there. Yeah, because
0: uh, of Arsenal, you'd understand yeah. why.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was interesting because that was my first game at Insomniac, and because I started at the very right. beginning, you know, I did sort of not-so-polished work at the beginning, and then, you know, the next deadline comes, and everything needs to be ramped up a bit, and I need to push myself to learn that. And then, it, you know, by the end of the project, I sort of started getting the feel for it. Um, and by, you know, by the time that I was leading um on Russian claim Tools of Destruction, I could sort of impart all that knowledge that they'd instilled in me over the, the first two years on, you know, all the new incoming people. And I thought that was an absolutely incredible experience. And just, I, I think it goes to show... When you draw the line high enough, um, you can just push everyone constantly towards, you know, meeting this bar of quality and you'll eventually find a way to get there. And I think that was the thing that was always surprising to me of the number of times they sort of asked you to do something. That, that seemed impossible, that, you know, you sort of thought, well, I put my best in front of you, and they'd say, no, it's got these four or five problems. And you're like, ah, oh, well, um, I don't know what to do. And, you know, you just keep working at it, working at it, you know, asking other people for opinions, and and eventually you do get there. I mean, I remember... Well,
0: um, for a franchise like that, and it's a long-lived franchise and much loved, mm-hmm. and a lot of them have come and gone. I mean, it's, yep. it's you know... Crash Bandicoot, how often do you hear people go, oh, they're going to release a new one? No, <laughs> no. no, they're never going to
1: do that. Let uh, it go. Yeah, Your memories yeah. of it are probably a little bit better.
0: Yeah, and then people play it on their PS3s because they still can. You, you can put mm-hmm. PS1 games in PS3s. People yeah. don't know this. But you slam it in and you go, oh. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, uh, have fun uh. with that you yep. know it's not it's not like Viv Ribbon which is timeless but exactly. you know or Rez because that's timeless as well <laughs> but no they it, the time has not been kind to those games no. um,
1: i definitely remember once i was playing right. i think it was ps2 era had come come about and we went back and played twisted metal 1 and it was so so bad to go back that I genuinely couldn't break the foreground from the background with my eyes. I was just like, where, where is my vehicle? I, I keep yeah, losing I, my vehicle. I, and I, I just, can't oh. see anything. Yeah, I can't see anything. Um,
0: the only exceptions I've found for that, if, if, if a little bit of a detour, but maybe mm-hmm. you can empathise with this, is Nintendo N64 stuff. i found, oh, yeah. yes, there's fog, I grant you, yep. but you know, Zelda Ocarina of Time, Jesus! Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, there's some games that do hold them. up and some not so much. Yeah, some, yeah. Some not so much. So, Okay, so that's, that's a really story. So how did you come over here and what, what you, you, what, what did you, what happened? Because obviously you left Somnet yep. because I don't, you know, have any base in, in the UK. So, uh, yep. <laughs> what happened?
1: So it was a strange time in the industry. Um, so I just finished Ratchet, um, Tools of Destruction and I was sort of looking for my next gig because I'd sort of worked on three Ratchet games in a row and it, it sort of felt like I was learning or doing the same thing over and over and I wasn't really learning anything new. Um, So I started looking around shops in the US and it seemed like everyone was making a shooter. Um, Even Insomniac was making Resistance and I I, I don't like very violent games. It's just not my kind of thing. Um, So I didn't really want to work on a, a very violent game and that seemed to be what I think Years of War had been very successful, you know, Half Life ah. Two and Doom had come out. Yeah, or- sticking a chainsaw and a gun is like
0: that's not violent. No. no.
1: <laughs> yeah. no so yeah, it was just a lot of feeling around for projects that would probably fit the kind of thing that I like making and nothing really stuck out at me. And then um at GDC, Little Big Planet was announced <laughs> and that changed everything.
0: Yeah, yeah, that lovely, uh lovely little big planet game that was I mean, what, what struck me about that game—not so much the creative side of things—I know mm-hmm. that was the main core of it—was yeah. the fact that you could jump in and out of the place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. You know, there's yeah. a game that came out recently called Poncho. I Don't know if you know about it, but it's, no, uh, as, it. it's a great game. As it has similar kind of mechanic, although it really, it really requires you to do it. Okay, you know? yeah. And it has parallax scrolling in it, mm-hmm. but rather than just the scenery being behind, you have to look at it and go, "Well, I can't. I need to go over there." But ah, there's a platform in there. Oh I know. I jump on there, and then just as I land on it, I then flip again and then I land on the other platform. Ah,
1: that's really clever. Yeah,
0: so it's very clever. Do check it out. Yeah. Uh, we interviewed them late last year. Oh great. Brilliant people, so have a listen. Yeah. But um no, okay, so that was it. So then we thought, well, I need to head to Guildford then.
1: Yeah, I mean but, I, I think I think the thing that drew me in was just sort of this idea of I think people playing together so joyously. Like mm. you know, it just looked like a lot of fun you know to to gather a bunch of people around the television and you know just just sort of mess around or whatever and it was just yeah it 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 just sort of grabbed me at the right time and i happened to have a friend who was traveling through europe at the time and he happened to meet the media molecule team and told them well when you're out in e3 you should meet this guy so i met them at e3 that year um and that's when we started talking about me moving over to the uk
0: wow so it's um that, 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 that is quite, quite a story to, to get a constructive meeting at E3. Who to funk it? Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: it, but it is, it is one of those moments where I think, you know, I, I think I got an email with relatively short notice saying we're at this hotel. If you can meet us in, you know, sometime tonight, we have a bit of time. And he's like, I just jump in my car as fast as I can and drive over. Right. And, you know, it's one of these. Sometimes you know these opportunities come up, and you just have to jump at them. Jump at them, and I think I was sort of lucky for it to pop up, and lucky that I was able to get there.
0: I love the fact that Stephen Fry narrated uh, Little Big Planet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I th- one of my favorite lines is, um, "We'd like to say that those sack boys were were harmed during the making of Little Big Planet," <laughs> and then there's a pause. Like to say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is not true. Yeah. Uh, brilliant. Um, yeah, the adult tones of Mr. Fry. Uh, he should ensure that voice. He probably has. Probably yeah, has. I'm sure he has. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that probably brings us to present day because you worked on many games, didn't you? A little Big Planet One to Three, I'm assuming or no, one to two, I, so sorry.
1: I, I actually only worked on well, I worked on Little Big Planet One and right. I did a lot of the prototyping for Little Big Planet Two, so the okay. microchips and that kind of stuff. Right. Um but yeah, no, then I left to do my own thing actually okay. doing I've I think the time between then and now, I sort of consider a strange wandering phase um, because I bounced around. I spent a few years making Facebook games um, just because I was really interested in trying to reach wider audiences. But then I realized sort of the kinds of games I was making weren't the kinds of games I wanted to be making. Um, And then so I sort of experimented a little bit with children's games i went to mind candy for a couple of years um and then that just also didn't seem right and then sort of this opportunity came up to sort of start thinking about nights and bikes cool
0: well that's the present day we'll move talk about that in detail yeah. in the second half so it's quite a storied history there so but as a creator of things what mm-hmm. is the biggest influence you have
1: Oh, I mean, it's, it's always hard to pin it down to I one know. or two things, but you know, I think right now, I think my secret mana roots are really, really showing, um, in that it, it was just one of these. These games that was such a critical part of not only my childhood memories but sort of how I met my friends as a child, you know, as a child and how we sort of got together and what we did and I think you know Secret of Mana. There's one of my friends that I'm I'm very or I was very very close with at the time and the way I actually met him is that he moved he just moved to the block um, and he decided that the way that he was going to find new friends was he's was going to ride around the block. For, for the entire day on his bike. And any time he saw a kid, he would stop them and ask, ''Do you have a Nintendo?'' And if you had a Nintendo, he would write down your house address, and he said he said he was going to come back and visit you, and so you could trade cartridges. Um, and one of those games that I ended up playing with him and actually trading with him for was Secret of Mana.
0: So it was a Super Nintendo. He's really asking. So out. Right.
1: so he really was actually, I think he at the time we sort of used Nintendo as the the term for all video games. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of Sega Genesis trading that we were doing as well. But um right. Yeah, I think that was just sort of universal term for it. That's interesting because th- you know this now because you lived
0: there long enough, but we didn't. We don't have that attachments in Nintendo. Mm. We we had eight bit computers up until, yep. you know, the late eighties because the NES came out really late over here. Oh, really okay. late.
1: I didn't actually know that.
0: And um, also, all the games ran about fifteen percent slow because they were PAL.
1: Oh yeah,
0: and we had these black borders. Uh, If you want to see it really bad, see Wave Race Pal on uh, the N64. (laughs) It is an abomination. Just look it up. It's hilarious. (laughs) It's it's like legendary. It's like, this is the last straw that broke the camel's back. (laughs) And it wasn't until the Dreamcast, bless Sega, thank you, Mm -hmm. um, they said, "No, no, 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 this is stupid. This is yeah. stupid, and actually, what they did, what they, they and the Dreamcast and the PAL version, which was blue by the way, not orange, yeah. they actually had a switch inside that said, "We well, want to go sixty hertz or fifty hertz." Ah, oh, got it. And you just switch it to sixty hertz, and went, "There you go, full speed, <laughs> yay!" Yeah, yeah. And then everyone yeah. went, Ha huh? <laughs> You mean you could? Yeah, the European territories now, and everyone, you know, the millions of people, they do sixty hertz as well." Okay, <laughs> We so could, could have we been stopped? doing this the whole time. Yeah, you could have been doing that all time. Could you just, you know, so that was awesome. So, yeah, yeah but, um, that's interesting. So that's, that, that's how you got sort of linked up to, um, your, that's your, your, your inspiration is drawing from those awesome JRPGs, which sadly I missed as a kid because I got a Sega Master System because we didn't mm. have the NES over here. Yeah. Really wasn't keen on it, so then I defected over to Amiga.
1: Uh, so I just dived into demo RPGs scenes. Just and missed all of them. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah. It, yeah, I, th- I think it's, you know, the genre of JRPG. I mean, I, I've always loved them, but I think it's, it's a little bit of that outside experience, you know, that, that getting people together, like, you know, Secret Man in, in particular. Um, I mm-hmm. get calls from my friend all the time of like, I'm at this particular boss. I need to come over and help. Um, those kinds of things. And I think there was just sort of so much, you know, social activity outside of the game even in yeah. those times that i thought you know it was just something really special
0: and they were so deep and so broad and mm-hmm. went on for tens of hours yep um and you know for me one of my favorites because i've read retrospectively now I'm actually caught up so don't yeah. worry i understand <laughs> you know i still adore chrono trigger uh, yeah i absolutely. managed to get it on the ds and just dove into that game and I just managed to come out come out for air when I'm done <laughs> with it extraordinary extraordinary That's game incredible In fact, yeah many developers when it came out initially they said you know you had develop they would interview people and say have you paid Trigger yet and if you hadn't then they needed to otherwise they wouldn't employ them <laughs> I'm not sure I probably thought, thought we as um, um, like a, a fable yeah. if you will but um but uh, that it's one it's one of those very 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 important games, mm-hmm, and the fact that it's and this uh, the fact that the JRPG is still going strong to this day yep. is amazing. Although, it's like I said, personally I grew up with games like Dungeon Master and Eye um, Beholder and stuff like that, <laughs> which is a very different kind of RPG. Yeah. It's a very Western RPG. Of it's very character focused very real time. It's all you know, first person. It's in your. It's a, it's a very different experience. This is what how I you know, first experience RPGs on computers, really. Mm, yeah. Not not the JRPGs. It was much later on in life that I encountered those and okay. understood the
1: beauty of them. So, okay. <laughs>
0: Good. Yeah. Um, so who do you most admire in the industry?
1: So I think there's two that, that I constantly, constantly look towards. So one of them is Samogo. Um, so they're a two-man Swedish team um, that do some incredibly interesting um, iOS games. Okay. Um, so Can you name a few. I think I know. So are, beat, sneak Ma- beat, beat sneak bandit was one of them. All um, right. I'm trying to remember. Um, they did year walk, which was sort of an, a really interesting adventure game take.
0: It, it um, works fabulous on my 6s plus. Yeah. Not <laughs> thing about that. Yeah. that um, I have one. The reason yeah. I have it is because I play games. Okay. Yeah. People ask me. It's like, why have you got such a big screen? <laughs> well, how awesome someone we play Elders Adventure yeah, oh, so yeah. I can yeah. see and That's touch things. <laughs> yeah. You know, because oh. I, I mean, as much as I love my 5S, bless it, uh, when I upgraded, I thought, oh thank God I can see now. Mm-hmm. You know, and my big dirty great thumb isn't taking over <laughs> the, walls of the screen.
1: Exactly, so, yeah, and yeah. yeah, I mean if you look at them, so they also made device six, um, but if you look at them, each of their games are so different from one another, but yeah. they all have they've, they've all got a common core, and it all feels like a Samogo game. And I think that's just sort of incredible and I, I you know I also admire you know a team of two people that can sort of do so much um, yeah it's yeah it's 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 incredible and I think the other group that I constantly look to is just um Capybara in uh Canada just everything they make is just so full of characters so interesting so I don't know it's you know I, I played through Super Time force relatively recently um and just was absolutely hooked and blown away by it just it's you so know, all the little it? exactly it's just it's just such a concept that you think you get sick of but it just gets more and more absurd as time goes on because well, just, no, no pun intended but yeah, it's of just,
0: course, yeah. Uh, I, when I first encountered that at Pax prime I think it was i yeah did a double take, and like, you've got to be kidding me. Mm -hmm. Um, My instant reaction was, nothing good can come from
1: this. (laughs) And I was wrong, happy to say. Exactly. It was a masterpiece. And I think the number of people that have sort of tried to do a time mechanic like that, you know, you take go back to, like, Blinks the Time Sweeper or something like that, or, you know, Rewind Mechanics in Prince of Persia. And, you know, they really, really did pull it off in such a creative, inventive, but also you know, cappy, insane way. And I just, I think they're an incredible studio.
0: Yeah. Well, good answers, sir. I I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, So, last question in the first half, which is my favourite question, because it gives me a hint about working on after this, no doubt. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, ever. (laughs) Uh, Most of the time, people say things that have nothing to do with what they're about to work on. So, Mm -hmm. what are you playing right now?
1: So right now I am playing through Tearaway Unfolded, which is really embarrassing because it's what the last game that Rex made and basically at the end of last year when it came out, I was doing a house move, planning a wedding and getting nights and bikes ready for announce. And now I'm still planning a wedding and, you know, trying to promote nights and bikes and it's just finding even the slightest amount of time to make any progress on Tearaway has been very difficult. You can't really dip in and out of those games. You exactly, have to be yeah. Be part of it. Yeah. to Get the most out. So, is this the PS4 game? Or is yeah, it? this is the PS4 one. So, I played the Vita one and absolutely mm. loved it. Um, and so yeah, now I've got the PS4 version. I'm two two areas in, but <laughs> I I think I've been two areas in for at least four weeks now.
0: My one of my favorite Vita games. I mean, there's some fantastic Vita games and. It's sad that Sony have walked away from it, but I can understand why, but they just didn't, they just couldn't quite get it, that machine, which is sad, and I still angry about that, but there it is. <laughs> but, um, but no, it's fantastic to see on the PS4. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. Anything else?
1: Um, not really. I mean, I'm sure I'm going to jump into either The Witness or Firewatch once I finish those, or once <laughs> I finish Heraway, but. Uh-
0: I yeah. just bought. We just talked about it yeah. the show. Everyone, I just I was watching a quick look of it. on uh, um, giant bombs, uh, great show about the fire watch. That 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 game looks hilarious. Mm-hmm. I think I yeah. considering the people making it though, not surprising. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to diving into that. But I've started the witness. Mm-hmm. Um, I love puzzles, yeah. so I'm okay with it. Yeah. And I'm okay with like getting frustrated and going. You know what? I'm just going to come back to this later.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It seems like the perfect kind of thing to play until you can't and then play something else and then come back. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, There's one particular puzzle I'm looking at going,
0: but I've done everything right. Uh, I've done everything right. What do you want from me? That kind of conversation you have with your television screen is just, that's the witness. If you want to have conversations, one way conversations with your television screen by the witness, because you have (laughs) them all the time. Like, you're telling it, the whole thing is guiding me towards doing that, and yet it doesn't work! <laughs> it, that's, uh, that's what I'm having right now. So, yeah. I cannot say what it is, because you, yep. you tell me to stop. You say I is, Yeah, question. I haven't even started, so, yeah. Yeah, shut up. But <laughs> it's just, you know what that's conversation you're gonna have. Yeah. And that's fine. That's, you know, if you like that sort of, I do say to people, oh, should I get that? And I sort of sized them up, and I stroke my chin and go, <laughs> no. <laughs> Not for you. It's not the elitist. <laughs> far from it. And I'm saying, yeah. well, it's only for smart people. No, it's only for a certain person who has mm. a certain way of thinking, or patience, or acceptance of you're going to fail, and you're going to fail a lot, but that's mm. okay. Yeah. It's like the Dark Souls game. You know, yeah, you still play that? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not unless you want to break your television set. No. <laughs> uh, okay. Great. Well, that's the end of the first half of the show. Right. Um that was really Painless. Well done. Thanks for all your <laughs> history and stuff, Is awesome. Well. But now we're gonna go on to the second half where we talk about knights yeah. and knights. Question. to listeners now, we hear me make the reference to Asimov. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so I'm not familiar with Isaac Asimov and iRobot and stuff. You know the the, the laws yep. of robotics and there's, there's number zero, of course. Uh, but this is not about that. What I'm going to ask you is basically it's a zeroth question because it's not really a question. It's your chance to give us a pitch of what is tell us about, if you will, lights and bikes. What is it?
1: So yeah, Nice and Bikes is it's a co op adventure game, um, that's about childhood and it's sort of inspired by you know, our own childhoods and the the big cultural touch points of our childhoods like Goonies or Secret of Mana and Earthbound. That's it? That's, that's it.
0: it. The, that is the it is a co op adventure,
1: just yep. to be clear. And it's two characters, isn't it? Yep. It's two characters. There's there's two other characters in your party, one of which is a goose and one of which is a decapitated head. We still haven't decided if we're going to make them playable or not. Um, but, but yeah, there's there's definitely two playable characters. That's, that's
0: interesting. Nice. And I'm going to ask a bit about where those influences come from, because they remind me of other characters in children's shows that I grew up with. Interesting. Uh, which may be Rex doing his
1: thing. Yeah, um, it may be things that I've never heard of in my entire understand. life, and he's been ripping off children's it, cartoons. that he is I've completely seen. doing that. <laughs> It's like, you don't know. And I'm going to ask you some questions, and what's,
0: what I suspect is going to happen, you're going to go back to Rex and go, did you? <laughs> what, uh, what is that? <laughs> what is that? So we're going to do that. But first thing I do is, that when I first heard the name, mm-hmm. I this is the first question, this is the silly question, this is the one I warned you about. Just to get this right out of the way, so we can move on. Yeah. Because I need to ask this. When I heard "Nights and Bikes," I was like, "What? Is that jackass beer mix jousting?"
1: (laughs) Interesting. The Uh, thought has never crossed my mind before. (laughs) Really? No. Because
0: when I when I heard the name, I thought, "What? They've made a video game about beer mix jousting." <laughs> because and and then I immediately started watching videos of Jackass on YouTube and various <laughs> other places like Yeah, yeah, there's BMX jousting. This is what <laughs> I, getting,
1: you know. I'm gonna have to check that out because I don't I like I know Jackass but I'm not really pref- like familiar with the BMX oh, jousting. That yeah. that particular they, they they did
0: they did jousting with BMX bikes.
1: Oh, and, BMX jousting, okay, got yeah,
0: it. Yeah, BMX jousting. So they get a BMX bike. And they get they dress in full armor, <laughs> with a joust, and then they just ride at each other. Oh. Nothing good comes of it, of course. Of course not. Lots of, <laughs> lots of hurt and damage. It's like yeah. it just they just they just collapse into a heap and go, Ugh, uh, and it's like, why did you do that?
1: <laughs> the one the one of many ways that they accomplish the same feat.
0: Same feat. <laughs> and I just want to ask you: Wait, did you just watch that and thought let's make a game out of that? I know you haven't.
1: <laughs> no, but I just want to
0: know. did so it's interesting. I just, I just, I thought, my she—that must be an influence. It wasn't
1: no not so much yeah I mean there's a few influences that we've been called out for that actually weren't influences one of them is our main character's name is Nessa and everyone's like oh that's an Earthbound reference I was like didn't even cross my mind no. <laughs> oops subconscious stuff yeah exactly it just gets into your head so yeah maybe BMX jousting is somewhere in the back of my head um, but, um, not that I know of no but
0: now you get <laughs> up and Rex you and I you, you can you can just sit there and go right well there's a thing <laughs> Let's not have it in the in the game, but okay. But yep. I, I I won't be the only one, okay? You know, I won't be the only one who, who, who link the two, <laughs> right or wrong. They're gonna they're going to. Yep. Um, but other things they'll they'll link is um, so. This is my proper question now. So here we go. Deep breath. Yep. Um, Knights and bikes is very much an adventure game that's structured mm-hmm. around the tales of people or children, obviously growing up at a certain yep.
1: age between five yep. and twelve. Uh, you know, yeah, somewhere around there.
0: Yeah, that magical time when you're not jaded teenager that hates your parents, and you're still discovering the world and the things around it. So that's exactly time. Um, so for me, as a British person, I'm going to make reference. You probably won't recognise these, but it's like the Railway of Children, Swallows and Amazons, and of course the Goonies. Uh, I'm familiar with the last one the first two you can ask Rex about he'll probably yeah. go He'll probably nod vigorously he goes yes <laughs> it's like those two as well and I think actually you should look those up as well because it yeah might definitely form your creation of this yeah. and um, so how have you built Knights and bikes around a very traditional story structure
1: because, so, yeah do, do you mean how how have we you know you know, how did we go about deciding on taking that kind of story structure or, no, or how do a, we approach it?
0: It's a very traditional story structure of, of a group of children, close mm-hmm. friends, it could be from five to like the yeah. of them, and and they go off and discover and go on weird adventures, you know, it's like Slack oh, okay. and stuff like that. These yeah. have been told over and over and over again. Oh, yeah, of course. So how have you made that into your game and made it interesting and you know, what have you done to yeah. create that atmosphere?
1: I think there's a lot of you know introduce an introduction of sort of our own experiences and like the kinds of things that we thought about and worried about when we were kids but I also think it's just you know the the reason it is such a common story structure is it's it's a very nice time in that the the rules aren't defined to a kid you know I think kids don't really know how the world works yet and I think it opens up a lot of possibilities of where the imagination can take you and how you can present things in a way that seems very real to a child but doesn't really make sense in any other way and I think it sort of lends itself to the kinds of story that the kind of story that we want to tell which is you know it's fantastical and interesting but still sort of has a human heart to it
0: right So that's what the hook is around, isn't it? You build this structure, this game, this this idea of these adventures, and Mm -hmm. you build the combat systems around, you know, to to make it interesting and engaging and challenging to the player. Mm -hmm. Yet the story, because it's so familiar, the structure of it, they'll want to see it through. Is that fair to say?
1: I think so i think you know we definitely want to make every bit of it enjoyable i mean as we were talking about insomniac you kind of learn there that you can't really have a weak link you know once if your story doesn't support your gameplay doesn't support you know the world that you've built your visuals and that kind of stuff it all starts falling apart at the seams um so i think the story is a very very important part of it for us um but i also think all the other bits need to be there as well you know it has to be fun to you know fight these these Spirits from the past, or these knights, or whatever. Um, but it also has to; there has to be a reason that you're doing it. It can't just be a game where you're just going around and bashing everything uh, mindlessly. Like you know, there has to be a reason. There has to be stakes into you know a stake stakes for what you're doing. You know, stakes for what if everything goes wrong. Um, I think without those elements, it's you know it's just another you know run around and mash buttons kind of game.
0: And that's very true for the the, the you know railway children swallows Amazons, and those, those stories—they—they they have a, you know, the stakes. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're, they're, there's risks involved. They could get hurt, or terrible things could happen. All, you know, it's it's all very, yeah. It, it, there's a an underlying current of of danger.
1: If you yeah, absolutely.
0: And uh, but that does not to the point that the children get permanently hurt, of course. Yeah, of course. because that would be terrible. But uh, yeah. it's just definitely a case of you know things go wrong relatively speaking
1: yes exactly <laughs> and 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 i think it's it's things i think you always have to set it up right you have to define what does it mean for something to go wrong for one of these kids you know i think for you know our, our one of our main characters nessa you know she's sort of an orphan that's been trying to figure out where she fits in in the world mm. um and so she runs away to this island thinking maybe there's a solution here maybe i can find something about the past that links you know, links with me and will tell me who I am. And so, you know, I think it's that kind of thing of like, well, the stakes are defined for her. She needs to find an identity. She needs to find somewhere she fits in. And I think when you define those stakes, it becomes easy to sort of, you know, put things in peril of just like, well, what what happens if she she does her absolute best and still doesn't fit anywhere or doesn't belong anywhere? You know, and I think you know, there's there's those kinds of things that that we're trying to set up in the, in the game. But it's, I think there's a lot of games that it feels very preachy <clears throat> or, you know, that the, everything's too heavy on the surface. And I think for us, it's we want you to go on this adventure and explore this world and see all these wonderful things um, and sort of the thing we don't want you to be paying attention to, but we want to be happening is for you to be sort of getting invested in these characters and their relationships and that kind of thing as well.
0: And those characters are quite bonkers, um, <laughs> which leads me to my next question. You cite games like Earthbound and Secret of Mana as being direct influences when creating Nights and Bikes. Mm-hmm. Is it fair to say that the game is akin to throwing lots and lots of British humour mixed with 1980s references along with growing up in a very small, nondescript town at a JRPG and seeing what happens? Um... I
1: don't know. I think I think those
0: are all elements more.
1: that we've brought in, but yes. I think there's always going to be a little bit more than that. Of course,
0: there is. I just that's why I want to tease out of you because you know from the surface, and it would be very churlish of me to do that to say, "Oh, that's all you've done. you taking taken the RPG and there's yep. throwing lots of British humour at it." That's great. Thumbs up. <laughs> there's way too more to it. Can you tell us more? What 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 what
1: what, what else? Is yeah. There? So I mean, you know, <clears throat> the. It depends on what front we want to talk about, but like, for example, if we talk about the gameplay, you know, I think a lot yes. of the, the, the gameplay is very interesting to us. You know, you, you sort of take the tropes of JRPGs. Um, you know, Secret of Man is the one I think of the most and you sort of think about, oh, well, there's support classes and how do they work together and that kind of thing. And, you know, there's some really nice combat there. There's, you know, the insomniac level of polish of things. But the, the really interesting thing that we're trying to dig out with this one is sort of how do you make, um, these abilities mirror uh, a relationship. So, you know, there's these two girls, and they become fast friends. But things aren't always, you know, hunky dory. I think they're going to disagree on things. They're gonna, they're gonna have fights between them. And obviously, there's these other characters to sort of instigate these things. Um, but I think it's really important so <clears throat> that you have someone that feels like an outsider, and they finally meet a friend, and what it feels like to to sort of fit with someone, you know, like when your abilities sort of match perfectly, what does it feel like to sort of be in a relationship and make it feel like it it works? So I think one of the examples that we've already talked about is that Nessa, um, or Demelza has a, a puddle stomp ability, so, you know, she can find a puddle and stomp in it and do a huge amount of damage to everything around. Um, but there's not so many puddles, and she uses them up very quickly. Um, so Nessa also has an ability where she can throw water balloons, and she can throw the small water balloons, and they don't really leave much puddles. They sort of just get things wet. Um, but, she, you know, her secondary ability there is, like, you know, this big whopper of water balloon that leaves a big puddle behind. Um, and so there's situations where, you know, you're going to need Demelza to be able to stomp and, you know, do damage to a certain area, and, you know, Nessa's going to have to set that up for her. But on the other side, and I think that's something that's very common in a lot of games, but on the other side, I think there's going to be times where they don't get along, and we're going to definitely balance um, some of the abilities to to make that very apparent that they're not getting along right now. So one of the examples that may or may not go into the game, I mean, we're still very early days, but that we've been thinking about is sort of, Nessa generally is more distance-based. You know, she has range-based attacks. She sort of throws things and that kind of thing. And if Demelza has something that affects the wind dramatically and you need to coordinate these things, but it's very hard for Demelza to sort of sort of set up the right situation. It's much easier for her, her to, you know, use the wind to knock something off course or, you know, mess up what Nessa's trying to do. And I think... You know, trying to play with these mechanics and how they they do work together really well or they don't work together um, and sort of making that mirror the relationship that the two are going through.
0: That's yes. I love that sort of complement of the two characters and they mm-hmm. can interact with one another. And you're right, it, it, it goes on far, far deeper than that and it also uh, reflects their relationship.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that's one of the things. So one of a game that we're both, both Rex and I are massive fans are is, um, a brother, brothers, a tale of two souls. Okay. And it was just one of those games that sort of, they didn't tell a very heavy story, but the mechanics melded so well with that relationship between the two brothers. And it was something that we both found really interesting. Mm. Um, and I feel like, for that one, it was always, you know, them working together and, you know, what the strengths of one were versus the strengths of the other. And we, we did want to, you know, put that on its head a little bit of like, you know, what would happen if you had two people playing together and their, their abilities were in conflict and, you know, they, they have to coordinate this thing in the real world and, you know, you, you might have, like, a shoving match on the couch, you might, you know... you. I think about some of the times when I used to play Pixel Junk Monsters with my other half, and just the amount of yelling that would happen. Um. So we, we kind of wanted to have that kind of experience of what it's like to play as Nessa and what it's like to play as Demelza as a pair in real life. Yes.
0: Yes. that That's good to project that into the player's hands rather than passively just absorbing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the visual style... Yep. Um. It's very striking. Yeah. Uh. Looks not unlike what we you can look it up. Something called Charlie says, and you can look okay. it up public safety announcements from the nineteen seventies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's sort of like this sort of, um. I said sort of many many times, but it's like paper cut out sort of animation. Okay. thing. And it's uh it's that I know it's Rex's uh, handiwork, but can you say from the outside in? Can you tell us how that evolved?
1: Yeah, I think I think the thing that we kind of knew is that you know, we wanted to have this sort of childlike blurriness to what reality is. Yeah. Um so I think it was very important of us important for us to have an art style that sort sort of mirrored that. So it was, you know, really nice and beautiful, but also really busy and, you know, blurry at the same time. So I think one of the things that we do with almost all our assets is we have a few versions of it for it to flicker between, you know, just so everything feels a little bit fuzzy and a little bit movie, but we didn't want literal fuzz fuzziness, you know, we didn't want the scene to look blurry or muddy or anything like that. And so doing, you know, a fuzziness in motion was one of the ways that we can sort of get across this idea that this world is is sort of, you know a little bit loose, you know?
0: Yes. It's not frayed on the edges. It's, yeah, exactly. It's, it's
1: almost real,
0: but maybe some of the things happening here aren't.
1: Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, one of the, the really minor things that I don't think anyone's really picked up on is um you know the style for Demelza's favorite video game is cut into the trailer a little bit um and it's it's a very very vectory style it is. and so if you go back and look through the trailer there's a bit of that vectory style integrated into certain bits of you know making you think well is is that in her imagination or is that real or you know that kind of thing of and always trying to blur those lines and keep that question going yeah i can see how that's
0: um again another way of drawing the player in mm mm-hmm. mhm Presenting them with more questions. Yeah, absolutely. Are these creatures real? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're not. Maybe the <laughs> you know, the puddle attack is that real? Yeah. Uh, you
1: know, and that's great. That's- yeah, and I, and I think it's you know the the thing for us isn't it's not oh we don't want you to keep an eye and always be like oh is that real it's not that kind of puzzle game it's much more you know, we're telling the story from the perspective of children and it doesn't really matter what happened or didn't happen because it's sort of, this is how they saw it. This is how yes. they remembered it. This is what they experienced.
0: And this all, that's what all really matters. Yep, exactly. So, last question now. I know, all good things come to me. <laughs> but you haven't really delved into it and I want you to. Yep. Tell us about the variety of weapons that are available to the players. Um, they deserve some attention, especially <laughs> the power glove
1: the Power Glove. Yeah, the the Power Glove was sort of the first thing that we started prototyping and we actually do have some plans for, you know, how to make it like very, very versatile. Um, But originally it was just, it was just a little prop. Um, You know, it's, it. Demelza's video game obsessed and she she loves this this um, this vector knight of hers and she wants to bring it with her everywhere she goes and she, so she always kept this power glove on her on her side um, so originally it was just a melee weapon but actually Rex, Rex has been doing some sketches of you know how it could be a lot more things and how it could be that thing that brings the vector world with her um, but we haven't actually built any of that stuff, so I don't want to promise anything too concrete. Um, but yeah, I think that there will be a range of weapons, and the whole idea is that there are all these makeshift things that kids would find around. Um, and we, we don't, you know, we don't want to have like, you know, blades and scimitars and guns no, or anything like that. But no, you, want all...
0: a, you want an orange frisbee, though. Eh? Exactly. <laughs> Which, <laughs> tell us about him.
1: So yeah the frisbee yeah. the frisbee ironically is a frisbee that doesn 't really behave like a frisbee. it behaves much more like a boomerang, yeah, so the idea we had there is that one of the mechanics that we built relatively on uh, relatively early on that makes sense for knights is that they 're shielded, um, and we thought, you know how do you get behind a shield, and if you have something that you can throw out that comes back to you, you can obviously throw it behind them, run, and then hit them in the back um, so for you know shielded shielded characters there's a few options so one of them is that you know one of you grabs their attention and kites them around while you go and hit them in the back and the other one is that you can use something like a boomerang and or a frisbee and throw it behind them run around and it comes back and hits them in the back of the head yes which you know right
0: a boomerang would be a little bit violent wouldn't it (laughs) yeah i know zelda has it but but to have a frisbee do that yeah, and more, more times out of ten, whenever I've thrown a frisbee, and it has been a few times. Yeah, uh, I've, I've played ultimate frisbee and stuff like that. It has come back at you. The <laughs> yeah. wind, yeah. you know, you got a, a crosswind, you just throw it, yeah. and then it flips up, and then it starts sailing towards you like that wasn't, <laughs> supposed, to, that wasn't supposed to happen. And then your yeah, yeah. opposing team catches it because you did that because yep. you're an idiot. Um, but um, yeah, so yeah, I just wanted to talk about the weapons because they are they're just. Tease out more of the theme of the game and how exactly. it's. There is, I'm going to use the word, a lot of whimsy here, but that's <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah, and and one of the other things that's really important about the weapons is it's it's a link between the two girls and the other islanders. So uh, you know, at one point in the game, the you know the islanders are going to be possessed by these evil spirits, and you're going to have to go back and rescue them. Yeah. Um, and we wanted to have you know weapon upgrades in a way, but we didn't want it to be you know, your normal uh, plus this stat plus that stat. You know, so one of the weapons that we did a prototype was was uh, a shield that is just the giant book that Demelza has and you can rescue the librarian and she can give you thicker bindings or that kind of stuff. Or, you know, the fishmonger can, you know, give you ice to put in your water balloons or something like that. But we wanted to make that, that interaction with the world a little bit more, more, a little bit more thought out and thematic. So basically, you know, when you go and rescue an islander and bring them back to their shop, you know, they, they repay you with whatever skills they have, but their skills are never armor smith or weaponsmith. They're always something something much more strange.
0: Exactly. Which you don't know if it's imagined or not. Yeah.
1: But that doesn't <laughs> matter. <Yep>. Yeah. <laughs> it <laughs> so
0: doesn't matter. Yep. It's being developed for Windows, PC, Mac and Linux presently, mm-hmm. right? And yep. uh, maybe there's a stretch goal to port it to other things. but So I'm assuming it's all done in, in Unity or something like that. Yep,
1: it's built in Unity. Right. Um, and yeah, so hopefully, I think we, we would love to bring it to some other platforms, especially the ones that you know we're very familiar with. Um, but obviously, all of that takes time, and we're a t- tiny team of two, so we'll have to see how that goes. Indeed, and also investment.
0: Speaking yeah. of which... Go and check it out. It's it's knights and and uh, uh, and, and bikes and yeah. uh, it's knights as in knights at round tables. Okay, and so kniggets. <laughs> yeah, look look that up and you it's the first thing you find. Um, I, I I discovered it while I was flicking through Facebook. I followed Develop, and they did a posting about it. I went, ooh, this looks funny, <laughs> and then I watched the video, and then I thought. It's
1: nothing to do, jackass. <laughs> uh, Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, we'll, we'll see if we can add some BMX jousting for you.
0: Yes, just, just you know, because he's set in the 1980s. You say that, don't you? Yeah. 87. That's true. Yep. Interesting.
1: Um Which is just what happened to be what Rex wrote on that eviction notice. So I said, okay, that's when it says. So
0: 87.
1: <laughs> yep. son
0: Interesting time of. Yeah, because that be the NES was in its height, but the Amiga was, yeah, there's all of stuff going on. So, yeah. ooh, okay. Well, <laughs> well, it's been fantastic having you on the show.
1: Thank you I very much.
0: wish you the very, very best of luck in, um, in the Kickstarter. Of course, I have a vested interest because in everyone, I did back it, so there you go. A bit of a Thank you very much. Uh, and, uh, I do encourage everyone to listen, who's listening to do so as well, while it's still up. Um, and, um, yeah, you're welcome to come back on the show anytime. maybe when it's released or when you're working on something else. That'll be Amazing. great. Yeah, uh, it be a but, pleasure. Yeah, but it's been fantastic having you on. Thank you very much. Thank you. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review and you can also, don't forget, listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory and you can find us... That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter, at Chris O'Regan no apostrophes, and uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show, or actually you're a developer you listen to the show and want your game featured on it, please do email me at chris at spong.com. Bye!